0: You are listening to the Gateway Franklin Church podcast. To learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, including our service times here in Franklin, Tennessee, visit us online at gatewayfranklin.com. And now, here is this week's message.
1: Good morning, church. If you don't know me or haven't met me yet, I'm Pastor Bruna. I'm the kids pastor uh, here at Gateway and it's such an honor and privilege to be speaking to you this morning um, alongside Pastor Christian, uh, our youth pastor, and we prepared a a fun message and I'm going to say fun because it makes us change. Um, So it's fun, you know, you leave here and you're like, my gosh, I got to do homework after this. It's great. You know, if the kids have to do it, we have to do it too. Um, But Today, we're going to be talking about an issue that is very important and has been uh, around for a long time, and dare I say, since creation. So we're going to be talking about distractions, and um, I'm going to give you uh, the answer right away. The answer to distractions is actions. See how I played with the words? I feel like a true American, you know, I'm Brazilian, but I feel like a true American right now. I'm like, I know jokes and dad jokes and play with words now, official. Um, But I'm, I'm gonna give you three simple actions on what you can do to tackle your distractions and leave fully and freely and fully devoted to God. And Pastor Christian is gonna bring to us the words of the wisest man in the Bible and what he had to say about the subject. And, you know, as a kid's pastor, I teach the interactive way. So I'm going to need help. And you can't say no because you're already here. So uh, whenever I'm talking, I'm going to tell you this Bible story. And I'm going to do this. And when I do this, I need you to answer my question. I promise it's going to be easy. And it's going to be fun. So when I, we'll do a little test run, okay? So the name of our pastor is? Charlie weak. Come on, guys, we, we can do better. The kids, the kids do better, okay? The name of our church is? Amen. Oh, much better. Okay, we can do this now. You guys confident? Okay, cool. All right, so we're gonna start in the beginning because in the beginning, we see the very first distraction, okay? So in the beginning, God created the earth and he created everything in how many days? Seven. I know there was some confusion there. Six or Seven. Six. Okay, he created. You guys have the answers, okay. Uh, he created it in six days, and on the seventh day, God rested. Oh my gosh, you guys are so smart. I'm so proud. Um, so God rested on the seventh day, and on the sixth day, he created something very important. What did he create? He created us. Good job. He created Adam and Eve. And until then, God said that everything he created was good. But then God said it is not good for men to be alone. So he created for him a helper, Eve. And you know what God said about them? He said, this is very good. We should be so proud. We are very good. God said that about us. And you know that God filled that garden with everything that was good, like thousands of amazing trees. He filled the garden with everything that Adam and Eve needed. They didn't even need to go to the grocery store. They didn't have to go get gas, nothing. They just would like pet like a giraffe or something all day. They would mingle with God and have relationship with him. And the life was just perfect. There was nothing to stress them. And then God gave them two very important instructions. He told them what to do and what not to do. He said, do this, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, which is keep these crazy people and beasts under control. And then he said, reign over it. And then he said what not to do. He said, do not eat or even touch the fruit from that tree right there because if you do, you will die. And, you know, we know what happens after this. They eat the fruit, they sin, and they get booted out of the garden. But I want to talk to you specifically about this part of the story. How could Eve make such mistake if she had relationship with God, she knew him, she would come and sit with him every day, okay? And still, she made a mistake. And we can learn from that today. But the answer for her mistake is distractions. And I always love a really good dictionary uh, definition, so we're gonna look at that. So the dictionary defines distraction as a thing that prevents someone from giving full attention to something else. In other words, to be distracted is to not be fully devoted to something or someone else. And we live in a world with so many distractions. We are constantly being pulled left and right and up and down everywhere by so many things. Anyone can relate how many times you've washed, rewashed, and rewashed again for the fifth time your laundry because you forgot to put it in the dryer and they are just right next to each other. I feel like TIDE is gonna call me and thank me for my contributions because I do this so often. I spend so much money in laundry detergent. I'm always distracted. So this is just like a silly distraction, right? I mean, really all that costs me is the inconvenience of having to rewash my laundry seven times maybe. I'm not gonna tell you if I did it or not. it sounds silly, but that's just how distractions work, right? They get in, in the way of things, and when you realize you're already like so far gone, then you're like, oh my gosh, I have to do this thing again. But there are some distractions, and, and Eve is an example that can cost us much more than a load of laundry the next day. It can cost our future, it can cost our purpose, it can cost our eternity. And I, I know that the, the, When we look at at distractions, we think, oh, these are just harmless things. But once they add up, they can really rob us. And that's just how the enemy likes it. But we're gonna look at what uh, scripture says about distractions. It says, keep your eyes straight ahead. Ignore all sideshow distractions. This is the wisest man in the Bible talking about wisdom. He said, it is wise for you to keep your your eyes straight ahead. You don't look left or right. And he even goes to say, he say, watch your step and the road will stretch out smooth before you. Look neither to the right or to the left and leave evil in the dust. Students, as you head into a new school year, I cannot count how many distractions you guys are going to get in contact with. There's just so much that's thrown at you. There's the good stuff too, your friends, your sports, your band, you know, video games, Social media, keeping up with the trendy stuff. You'd have so much thrown at you. And I'm not telling you, oh, Pastor Bruno said that my friends are evil. No, I didn't say that. I'm telling you that these things are okay and they're good. Well, depending on of friend. Um, never mind. Uh, but these things are good in moderation and maybe by themselves. But here's the thing. The tricky part is that we need to ask ourselves the question, is this person or this activity taking more space or more of my attention than it deserves? I mean, I can think of things that I could be doing when I shouldn't be watching memes at night, right? I should be going to sleep because my child's gonna wake up at 5 a.m. Shouldn't be watching memes, but it's just fun. It's a distraction. But I can think, of ways that we can allow these things to not be a distraction. But the other question that we need to ask ourselves is, as, a representative of Christ, as representatives of Christ, we also need to ask ourselves, am I representing Christ well when I do X, Y, and Z? Or when I'm hanging out with this group? Am I allowing this thing to take my identity from who Christ called me to be? Am I really good at this thing and people really recognize me and they applaud me when I'm doing this thing, but am I letting this thing be my identity or am I letting God still dictate who I am because he's my creator? Are we allowing people to distract us or things to distract us from being who God called us to be? and ensure these distractions in school, they will most likely just cost you something like, you know, having to work harder to recoup recoup your grades, or you might have to hire a tutor, or you might have to stay after school, or you might have to do summer school, or you might have to redo the entire year. And That doesn't sound fun. But you see, that's not the biggest danger of what you guys are facing this year. The biggest thing is that the enemy wants to throw all these distractions at you to take your eyes and your mind off of God and the beautiful plan that he has for you. Our current culture goes a thousand percent against what God teaches us in his word. So every day, every minute of life, in school and anywhere else, the enemy is gonna try to throw things at you that look like a distraction. And I'm going to tell you right now that all these things will not come out labeled as evil. Adam and Eve probably had thousands, maybe billions. Who knows? God is so majestic. They had thousands of fruits in the garden. And the very thing that distracted them was an apple. The very thing that distracted them was the thing that they had in abundance in that garden. Sometimes Um, we don't see where we are headed until we are there, but we allow these distractions to become bigger and they will not look evil, they will look fine. Oh, Pastor Bruno, this is fine. I can hang out with these people. I I can dedicate myself more to this than to God. The enemy's goal for you is to be so far away from God that you forget or you even stop believing in what God has for you. So our goal this year, your goal this year, Adults, our goal this year, always, is to be fully devoted. One of my first actions is to be fully devoted. And if we look back in the garden, we see how the enemy was able to distract and steal Eve's destiny. First, he isolated her. He caught her when she was alone without her partner. But you remember what God said he was not good? He said it's not good for men to be alone. And he got her when she was alone. If Adam had been there, maybe they wouldn't have made that mistake because he would have told her, no, 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 God didn't say that. Don't do it. The other thing is that um, the serpent used the very same word from God. He said, did God tell you to not eat anything? And she said, no, no, God said I can eat any fruit from this garden except one that's right there because he said if we eat or we touch, we're going to die. And the serpent quickly said, no, no, no. Surely you will not die, but you will be like God. Did Eve forget that she was already made in the image of God? You see how the enemy twisted the words of God? He made it seem as if this is greater than what you have. The enemy wants God to look like a liar. He wants the, the, the God to, to be withhold. He wants the enemy wants God, God to look like he's withholding something greater, in this case, being like him, who doesn't want to be like God. But the truth is that they were already like God. So the opposite of being distracted is being fully devoted. And if Eve had been fully devoted to God when he was giving them instructions, the serpent could not have created doubt in Eve's mind. Being fully devoted in school is going to mean you don't let your peers, your sports, and all these things that would come and distract you uh, become bigger than what you can bear. Don't forget your goal and your goal is to finish school well. In Christ, that means that you keep your focus on God and you remember his word, remember who he made you to be, remember what he has done for you. You know, the the serpent didn't force Eve to eat the fruit. The serpent simply suggested the idea that God was wrong. The problem is that we forget that God is the giver of all blessings and the enemy's the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And the truth is that if the enemy can't destroy you, which he can't, the enemy cannot destroy you, but he can distract you. And if the enemy can distract you, then he already won. You know why? Because he distracted Eve and he robbed us from relationship with God. The second thing is that why why was Eve hanging out with the enemy anyways. So my second point of action is don't meet with your enemies. Sound harsh. Don't meet with your enemies. Eve allowed the serpent to speak to her. She gave the serpent she gave the enemy the floor. Meeting with your enemy is not a ministry opportunity. But Pastor Bruna, you don't know about my friends. They really need Jesus, and I need to hang out with them all the time because they need to see Jesus in me. Nope, it's not a ministry opportunity. You can spend time with those people. You can be like Jesus for those people, and they need it. But but once it starts to them changing you rather than you changing them, that became an an enemy. What else are you labeling enemy right here, Pastor Bruna? I'm gonna label enemy uh, whenever you dedicate more time to something than you dedicate time to God. If you're putting so much effort in doing something and being something, less than you're putting effort in getting to know your creator and fixing uh, your eyes on the creator, I'm gonna label that enemy. I'm gonna label enemy that YouTube video that you knew You shouldn't watch. I'm going to label enemy that video game that your parents warned you about. They said, this is too violent. This is too bad. I don't want you watching this. I promise me I know better. I'm going to name that enemy. But I I was telling you about how it feels like the, the God is withholding something greater from us. How many times did we hear someone we love say, you shouldn't do this, but you do it anyways, but it feels like, ah, you're just trying to kill my fun. I just really, ugh. The truth is that, guys, what God has for us is so much greater than anything else that the world can give us. So we really, all these things are trying to do is get your eyes off of God. I want you to remember this. Temptations are only suggestions. Temptations are only suggestions. Nobody came to Eve and forced her to eat the fruit. The enemy suggested maybe you should do this. So I want you to remember temptations are only suggestions, but they will become a distraction if you say yes to it. You hold the power. And we can we can learn from about distractions from Jesus Himself when he was in the in the garden uh, in the desert praying and fasting for 40 days. Can you imagine how hungry, how thirsty, how tired? I mean, if you've been praying for 40 days, sometimes I pray for four hours and I'm exhausted because it is tiring, right, physically, emotionally. Jesus was praying and fasting for 40 days, nonstop. So the enemy approached him on his weakest moments and he just made suggestions. He suggested that Jesus would turn stone into bread, he suggested that Jesus should throw himself for angels to catch him. And he suggested that Jesus should bow down and worship Satan because if he did, then he would have reign over the whole earth. You see what he did with Eve that he said, You will not, you will be like God, but that she was already like God because she was created in his image. Jesus already had rule and reign over the earth because he is God and he is man. And the enemy loves twisting God's word. And Jesus rebuked the enemy with a very powerful weapon, God's own words. And let me tell you this. If Jesus had said yes to that distraction, to that suggestion, we would not be here today. It is only because Jesus resisted the devil and conquered hell and grave and sin on that cross and rose from the dead, that we are here today. If the enemy could have gotten to Jesus right in that moment, he would have ruined the best and most amazing plan of redemption that God provided. I'm going to be honest with you that I believe that sometimes we allow distractions to come our way. We allow ourselves to get distraction. That sounds absolutely crazy idea, but I'm gonna tell you how. Sometimes doing the right thing seems too hard. Sometimes it looks like a lot of work to keep up with being like Christ, to doing the right thing. Or honestly, if you're like me, you just don't feel equipped. You don't feel like this is, this is it. You just feel like, why would God pick me out of everybody else? Why would he pick me? And I can think of a different character in the Bible that went through the same situation and his name is Moses. Moses did not feel equipped and empowered to go and lead a whole nation out of captivity. And he ran away. He was scared. He didn't think he could do it. And he really couldn't do it unless God was with him. And when Moses realized the plan that God had for his people, he humbled himself before God. He asked for forgiveness he said, Lord, send me. I'm here, I'm ready. And not because of his power or his might, but because of God with him that he was able to lead a nation with miracles and wondrous things. You know, um, that leads me to my last point. That just, God is not going to leave you where you are. When we look back in the garden, it doesn't end with sin and shame and kicked out. It ends with a promise that through the family of Eve, God was going to send a rescuer, a savior, to redeem the very person that sinned against God. God is the best in the business of fresh start. So my last point is you can Always have a fresh start in Jesus. Even when it seems impossible, even when there seems to be no way, you humble yourselves before God, admit your fault, and you get back up. Because God is just the best in the business of fresh starts, my friends. And I know that a lot of us are living proof of that. In school, a fresh start's gonna mean ask for help don't let your problems get too big that you can't pay for it. Don't let those distractions get to you. You go and find people that will edify you, people that will build you up, people that will help you get out of that hole. In Christ, that means you turn away and you repent and you turn away from the very thing that took you away from Christ in the first place. God offered Adam and Eve a way when there seemed to be no way. And he does that for us. So um, I have a little visual representation and I promise I'm done. Uh, So for that, I'm gonna ask Pastor Christian to come up here and he's gonna help me. And I'm gonna ask my friend Mika. Mika, would you come up here for me? I wanna show you, because I'm a kid's pastor and I love visual representations because I feel like they're fun. But I wanna show you what it looks like when you devote your time, here, come here, friend, When you devote your time to one thing, not to everything else. So, Mika, you excited? I know. I know. At least you're just gonna have to drink it, okay? I'm not gonna pour it on you. But all I need you to do is drink water from this straw. You can hold it with both hands, you might need them. Good? Okay. How does it feel wet? Okay, you can pause. Um, Could you get water? Did it taste good? No. Okay, you might not like water. Okay. So I'm gonna add another straw right here. And I want you to hold it and I want you to try to drink water from both straws. Can you What's going on? Can't get anything. Can't get anything. Let's just for fun. She's young, she has good lungs. One more. Try again. All of them. Nothing? Thank you, Mika. Can you guys clap for Mika? And the reason that she can't get any water is because when you're distracted, you cannot drink from the well that is Jesus Christ. You need to be fully devoted to Him. So if you guys uh, would clap and welcome Mr. Christian, he will bring his word.
0: Thank you, Pastor Bruna. Yeah, someone in support. So Pastor Bruno beautifully illustrated that distractions take you away from being fully devoted to God. Whether that's the people around you, whether that's a a game, a hobby, a sport that you're a part of, whether that's technology, your phone, your computer, or even the classes that you're about to venture into. Because when the academia becomes overwhelming to where we can't see Christ, we're not devoted to who he is, then it's in the way and it's, we're living outside of our purpose in God. And as we were singing that, that last song, it was saying, speak Jesus from the mountains. So on the mountaintop, when everything seems to be going great, we speak Jesus, we're devoted to Christ. Speak Jesus from the streets. We're in the streets where there's signs. There's, there's people trying to draw you into their shops. There's distractions everywhere. What are we gonna do? We're gonna speak Jesus. No matter what we do, distractions are going to come our way. And we need to be fully devoted to Christ. But how do we do that? How do we combat these distractions? How do we fight off the attacks from the enemy that try to, to sway us a certain direction? I want to take us to a man in the biblical text by the name of King Solomon, the wisest person to ever live. And as he was going about his life, he was gaining pleasures. He was gathering wealth, intellect, power, influence. His life was a, an endless cycle of enjoying what was around him. He was distracted by the world. His father, King David, the man after God's own heart, he, uh, King Solomon, prompted the, the Israel nation to links that even King David couldn't. But at the end of his life, when everything was, was unraveling and he was an old man on his, on his deathbed, what did he have to say about it? He reflected and he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes where he said, all this pleasure, all this, this wealth, all this power was meaningless Meaningless, a vanity, it was, it was futile. That word meaningless, it can literally be translated as a vapor, as a smoke in the wind. It's here today and gone tomorrow. It is not eternal, so what should we be chasing after? At the end of this book of Ecclesiastes, where he's talking about the pleasures of life being mean, meaningless, he's saying, not saying it in the terms of you can't enjoy yourself, you can't have fun, But what's important is in Ecclesiastes 12, verse one, he says, remember your creator. Remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come. Remember, remember means to dwell on, to keep actively in your mind. So in your mind should actively be that of God before the days of trouble come. You see, because when trouble comes, it's easy to come back to God. I know there's times where I've been sick, hurling all over the toilet and trash can and floor, making an entire mess, I feel awful. And it's easy to say, Lord, help me. Heal this this stomach pain, because I don't want it anymore. But what about when I'm running around? What about when when I'm playing a game? I'm hanging out with my buddies. Am I having the same devotion, the same remembrance of God in those moments? Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come. And today I wanna highlight four things that remembrance provides us, four things. The first one is remembrance reminds us that we are made in his image. Remembrance reminds us that we are made in his image. You see, students, as you're venturing into school, you're gonna have the distraction of, of measuring yourself up to your accomplishments. Measuring yourself up to the things that you do, the sports that you compete in, or even measuring yourself up to the diagnosis that you have. Measuring yourself up to the amount of anxiety, the amount of stress that you may be experiencing. But what does God say about you? In Genesis 1, verse 26 and 27, he said, He created you in His own image and said, It is very good. In Psalm 139, he said that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. In Psalm 8, he has crowned you with glory and honor. Remember your Creator and what your Creator says about you, because in the wilderness of school, as we venture into those distractions, the enemy's gonna try to attack us and, and tear down how we view ourselves. But God says that you are worthy, God calls you His beloved. Don't forget that. Remember your creator. Second thing that remembrance provides us, it provides us that we are being molded by him. We are being molded by him. In Romans 12, verse two, it says, do not conform to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. The world is going to try to mold you and conform you to exactly how it wants you to be. But instead, rest yourself, rest your being in who God is. Let him mold you. Let him guide you into the the purpose that he has before you. And Jeremiah illustrates this perfectly in, in chapter 18, verse one through six. He says, this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord go down to the potter's house and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, can I not do with you as this potter does, declares the Lord, like the clay in the hand of the potter, so you are in my hand. Remember your creator. Remember that he is molding you. He is shaping you into the person that he has set out for you to be. So remembrance provides us with a reminder that we are made in his image. Remembrance provides us with that we are being molded by him. And the third thing remembrance provides us with is that it encourages us for growth in the spirit. It encourages us to have growth in the Spirit. John chapter 15, Christ says, For I am the vine, and you are the branches, those who abide, those who remain in me, and I will remain in you, and you will bear much fruit. Abide in Christ. Remember the Creator, and you will bear the fruit that only comes from Christ. What are you remaining in today? What are the things that you surround yourself in that you dwell in consistently? Because what that is, is what fruit you're gonna bear. If you spend all your time remaining in your studies, that is the fruit that is gonna come out of your life. But what if in the midst of your study, you remember your creator and through the gaining of knowledge also becomes understanding of God's place in that knowledge? What about in your games If everything that you're dwelling in is the games and that's all you consider yourself, is that not what you're gonna be a reflection of? Is that not the fruit that you're going to bear? But what if in the midst of the game you recognize God's presence, how he shaped the game, how he created it to be fun, to enjoy life and to worship him? Remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come. So remembrance provides us that we are made in his image. Remembrance provides us that we are being molded by him. Remembrance provides us that that it encourages us to have growth in the spirit. And the fourth thing that remembrance provides us with is a reminder of the faithfulness of God. A reminder of the faithfulness of God. When students, when you venture into school, it's gonna be quick and easy to forget the things of God, to forget what he has done in your life. The mountaintop's experience seems so far away, you question whether or not they actually existed. Was God really that powerful? Did I sense his presence like that? Was this real? But when we remember our creator, Remember the presence, we're reminded of the faithfulness of God, the bondage that he's taken us out of, the freedom that is found only within him. And when I think about this, this faithfulness and and reminding and and not forgetting, it takes me to Deuteronomy chapter eight, where Moses is wandering with the nation of Israel throughout the wilderness. I can see it right now clearly, he's gathering around the campfire. Marshmallows are being toasted and put in between the graham and the chocolate. Hot dogs are ready to be eaten and the flickering of the fire underneath the night sky is illuminating the people around. And what does Moses do? He says, don't forget. Don't you remember what God has done? Don't you remember what God just did for us in Egypt? We were in bondage. We were in slavery. But he he had the wonders and signs that guided us out of there and we went to the Red Sea and he didn't stop there, did he? Don't forget what he did. When we got to the Red Sea, he parted the waters and we walked through to safety. And we got to the other side, don't forget what he did there, do you remember? When they went into the wilderness, there was a, a pillar of fire by night and cloud by day to guide them to where God had in store for them. But he didn't stop there, don't forget what happened. Let's remember your creator the manna from heaven and the water that spewed out from the rock. Do you forget that? Do you remember God's faithfulness in your life? Remember your creator. What has he done in your life that you need reminder of? What faithfulness of God that has existed within you that you need a reminder of when you venture into the wilderness of school? Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come. So at this time, I want us to, to have an object to, to remember by, and I have these rocks before me and they're, they're simple, but I want them to serve as a reminder to the kids, to the students, to educators, that God is faithful. And when you go home, I want you to write something down on the back of this rock that will remind you of God's faithfulness. So kids, if the people in the kids ministry come up to the left to uh, get your rock, your right, my left. Students, a lot of y'all are right here. Come up to this right side, your left and get a rock. And educators at this time, I would love for you to come down in the middle so that we can pray over you. We can bless you and send you forth into the wilderness of school. And while the distractions may come, we have a reminder Of who God is, the faithfulness of God. So come forth, come forward, please. Don't be shy. We love you. Get you a rock. What's that? They're right there, buddy. Students on the right, your left. And the kids' ministry, the left, your right. And educators, homeschool teachers to the center. The world's going to come and try to steal your joy. The world's going to come and try to to trick you into, into not believing what God has done. And I pray that we remember the works of God, remember his presence so that we can worship and celebrate everything that he has done in our life forevermore. So get a rock.
1: if you guys can come. If you're in kids uh, up to 12, you can come this way. Come stay right here with us. If you're an educator and you would please stand in the middle. Make sure you get your rock. We want to pray over our kids, our students, and our educators. So church, would you just stretch out your hands? there is power in the name of jesus and he is in us and with us and when you stretch out your hands and you agree in prayer with us would you just remember to release that power so lord we pray for our kids right now father first i pray that they remember who they are in christ we say this every sunday I declare I am a child of God and Jesus is my Lord and Savior. God would you make these words grow deep roots in these kids hearts. That when the day of trouble comes that they are reminded of who they are in Christ. Lord would you give them teachable hearts. Not just for academia but Lord for you, for your word. Would you open up their hearts and minds to see you in a fresh way in this year lord would you remind them that they are filled with god's peace and let no fear no anxiety no stress nothing get in the way of what they are called to be and to do this year Lord, would you bless them with your favor? Would you let them feel peace and safety in their classrooms or in their homes or in their co-ops, wherever they go? Lord, would you remind that they are like Christ? They're made in the image of God and that they're supposed to be like God for those around them, even when it doesn't feel like doing it. God, would you bless our kids? And Lord, I know them and I love them, each of them, Lord. Father, I know that you love them more than I do and that you want for them more than what I want for them. But God, would you go before them this year? Would you protect them, Lord? Would you protect their hearts and minds? Because right now they're just perfect. They have nothing, Lord, to to come in the way. But Father, would you protect them? Provide your favor and your peace upon them in this new school year. I pray that in Jesus'
0: name. Lord, to lift up these students to you. That as they go into this new school year, go into classes, reading books, studying for, for tests and exams, and writing papers, Lord, that they will remember you. Be reminded of who they are they are fearfully and wonderfully made crowned with glory and honor being molded and shaped by you let them rest in your presence encourage them to, to rest and abide in you so that they will bear fruit and be reminded of the faithfulness of God Lord Lord I pray for the, against distractions and attacks of the enemy that when they come they will be quick to call out your name, to shout Jesus in the midst of the distraction, shout Jesus in the mix, midst of the attack. Lord, we need you. We need your guidance. I pray for guidance over the students in whatever they do, that it be in worship and praise of who you are and in Jesus' name.
1: Lord, we pray for our educators education looks different for each family but Lord we know that ultimately it is a call that you have given to each family on how to educate their kids so Lord I pray for our teachers that are in the school system or in private schools God would you bless them would you go before them Father Lord would you give them the assurance and the peace Lord to know that they are safe in you God, would you touch them, Lord, in their hearts and equip them with what they need, God. Father, I pray for the homeschool parents, Lord, that sometimes might feel unequipped. Lord, that they might feel like they've made the wrong choice or as I've heard from one, that they feel like they're failing their kids. Lord, would you give them the peace to know that it's not by their power or their might, but because of you, God. Father, would you bless our educators and our administrators and everybody that is in contact with the kids. Lord, let them be the hands and feet of Jesus for these kids. Let peace rule and reign in their classrooms. God, would would you just go before them, Lord, and give them a vision of what the fruit of their labor looks like. Lord they are raising a generation in a time where culture doesn't want us to raise a generation that loves Jesus but these mighty men and women of God are raising the generation that will usher the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords you are teaching the kids that will be doctors nurses teachers they might be the next president who knows What matters is that they will do what our generation couldn't do. So Lord, would you just bless our educators. Anoint them, Lord, you have anointed and appointed them for such a time as this. You have given them the strength and what they need to educate and raise this generation. God, I pray against fear and doubt, Lord, over them. Father, I pray that whenever it doesn't feel like I can do this one more day, Lord, would you renew their strength? Would you renew their spirit? Give them joy as they teach this year, Lord. It is by your power, Father, that they can move forward. So Lord, I pray blessings over them in
0: Jesus' name. We lift up the parents in the room and we thank you for the parents. Lord, encourage them. Give them the strength and the empowerment to disciple their children to teach them to love you above all else. Where distractions are going to come for them as well, Lord. And I pray off the attacks of the enemy. They will keep on their mind who you are and how you are empowering the next generation. The parents are, are showing them and leading the way, Lord. Give them the strength, the patience to do exactly what you have called them to do. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And in Jesus' name, amen. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Again, to learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, find us online at gatewayfranklin.com. Thanks for joining us today.